What would be one or two things that you've seen to be instrumental in helping you guys achieve that, that big growth? Number one, choose who you work with very, very carefully. Know your vision and be aware that if you have a really good idea, there's still going to be people who disagree. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And in today's episode, we are joined by one of the two of the dynamic duo from Diamond Collective, Kate Bishop. Now, if you're someone who's ever wanted to grow rapidly, grow a team that's had really astronomical success, this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss. We cover off on leadership, team growth, uh, expansion, and who you need to become as an entrepreneur to grow your team and business to new heights. So if that sounds like something you want to check out, you will not want to miss this. And of course, if we can ever help you grow your business via marketing, you know where we are, www.joinmygroup.com.au is our free Facebook community. We have everything you need to help grow your business from a marketing angle and more. But until then, let's jump into the show. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me, Kim. I'm excited to be here. Great to have you. Now, Kate, I like to ask everyone this at the beginning of a podcast with myself, and the question is, if I met you at a party, and you and I were just chatting, and I said to you, Kate, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? Um, I, this is a really good question. I would say that I am, I specialize in building long-term relationships with clients, and that's built on trust and education. That's definitely my forefront. My industry is diamonds and jewellery, but being in such a high-end luxury industry and coming from health as um, my industry prior to this, I definitely always just have the focus on treating people as people and then building trust so that you, it's not a transaction, whatever the service or whatever the product you're, do, you're dealing with, it's always about building a long-term relationship based on trust and understanding for yourself and for your clients as well. So that's what I would say I do. Amazing. I love it. And uh, I normally I'd be like, oh, cool, that you don't necessarily grow up as a little girl wanting to do that. But maybe little girls do want to play with diamonds as a professional career. Uh, <laughs> you know, they always say diamond is a girl best friend. But what, obviously you were in fitness. What made you go across to this, you know, huge like luxury industry of, uh, of diamonds? I have to admit, it was definitely a little bit of an accident. So I've grown up in a very medical based family and that was the pathway that I planned on taking. I was... From a young age, my mum's an OT, dad's a paramedic, family are nurses. So I've grown surrounded by that and that's where I imagined I would fall. Um, after a shoulder injury, I ended up having to leave the health industry. I was a nursing assistant working with spinal cord injuries mainly, um, which is a lot of heavy lifting. Unfortunately, I had a shoulder injury, which pretty much meant I had to stop that on the day and find a new career path. Um, and that was that was a really hard hit for me. I was hoping to become a paramedic and had a lot of that planned out in my mind. But in hindsight, a major blessing because I managed to fall into the industry of diamonds. The way I got my job was I had previously had dinner with one of the owners of a jewelers here in Perth, met him once very vaguely and managed to get into contact with the person that I knew him through and get his number. And I called him and asked for him asked for a job straight up on the phone, um, had no industry knowledge. He asked if I had any experience and I said no, but I'm a really fast learner. And he gave me the job the next day and that's how I kind of made my pathway into luxury diamonds. Oh, 
And then, so obviously going from, you know, previously in health, yeah. then getting a job with someone, like what then led you guys to obviously starting the, the Diamond Collective? Because some people might be like, cool, I've got a job in a pretty lucrative industry, working with great clients, like, you know, but you guys have obviously taken that a, a level beyond. Like what was the, uh, what was the kind of background there? Absolutely. So I guess when you start in an industry like health, that's hugely focused around your client being comfortable, being happy, trusted and everything like that. I moved into an industry that is known to be quite opaque. Um, a lot of the time there's not much information given to your clients about the products they're purchasing. And it's often not very flexible for a client as well. You often just pick out of a counter and that's the service you receive. Um, and it was at this um, jewelers where I met my business partner, Paris. She was one of the managers there and we managed the company together for a while. And it was just really highlighted why we were working together that the traditional way of a jewelers going from grandfather to father to son means you get some really, really beautiful traditions but it also means that it lacks innovation. And in the case of Perth, we are a little bit behind the times when it comes to jewellery. We just found that there was nothing that really accommodated to a millennial mindset where we are, we no longer want to be sold to. We want to be educated. We want an experience and we're buying so much more than a product. It's a relationship. And particularly with something as sentimental as, you know, say an engagement ring that client will often come back to you for wedding bands, eternity rings, push presents, anniversary presents, and you're actually creating a very long-term um, relationship with your clients. And we just found that wasn't something that was available right now. And so we went out, started on our own with very much the mindset of we'll make everything bespoke so it eliminates as much of the sales process as possible. Um, we won't carry any stock of our diamonds so that way we're actually allowed to educate our clients and find out what their individual priorities are and then we source from a live global market to be able to optimise what their priorities are whilst staying in line with DC's quality and their budget. And then, of course, everything's made bespoke. So it means that they had complete control of that and it ended in a 100% success rate. Um, and we also utilise a lot of new technology that came available through HD imagery videos which allow you to see an exact diamond video of an exact diamond option a hundred times magnified and that's something that has been around for a little while but jewelers aren't utilizing to the best advantage in our opinion so that's how we do it it makes it transparent makes it reliable it also makes us unbiased removing that sales approach for our clients and it's much more like a kind of consultancy or concierge service um and it's been brilliant we've grown really quickly and it's and the most the thing that i'm most proud of is the five-star reviews that have maintained throughout and i think that's a testament to that transparent approach yeah i love that it's like there's a, um, a great book i remember reading called the trusted advisor and it was um, always um that angle where it's like you want to have that position with a client because number one you do want to be the person that's actually helping them but then when you're helping them make a decision as you mentioned earlier you've got that trust there's no bias there. You're you're working together, and then it, it does make it an easy decision. But I also love that you guys went at it with the angle, like because not only was what you did good for your clients, it was also good for you guys because you didn't have to have tens of thousands of dollars of stock Absolutely. sitting there. Safe insurance. <laughs> yeah, you're like, when you want to buy it, we'll go, we'll find it, we'll go get it. Which I which I love for you guys because it's like obviously at the beginning where you're bootstrapping and starting a business up, you know, it's definitely it's hard. 
And like on that as well, obviously, I know you guys have gone from strength to strength, success to success. But at that very beginning point, like, were there any kind of hurdles that got in the way? Because your growth is like, how many years has it been now for you guys? We are coming into our fourth year. Fourth year. And the success you guys have achieved is is astronomical. But what uh, what, what have been some of those hurdles that you faced along the way? Because we all know in business, uh, in business, like there's gone to be some. There's got to be a, a few ones there that have come up along the way. I am very proud to say that Paris and I have been um, very fortunate with our hurdles. They've all been lessons. I know that's a very cliche thing to say, but we've really taken it that way. Um, I guess if we start from the beginning. We started. We decided to open or create DC two weeks before COVID hit. So we both left our comfortable paying jobs and started our own business only for the country to lock down for three months. Um, and you know what? We utilised that time really wisely. While we were locked down, we created a website. We read up on all the logistics of actually how do you run a business? What? Right sort of um, insurance do we need? What sort of different protection do we need from different angles? Um, We built really good relationships with our suppliers as well over that time period. And then when borders opened, doors opened, we're allowed to leave the house, we had a fully functioning business. So it's about kind of reframing things to be a positive. And then after that, we (laughs) did continue to have some surprises along the way. Supply chain was definitely something that was quite difficult. In our industry, you still have to be vouched for. So when you're very early on in the industry, you can't just reach out to say someone and say, hey, sell me some diamonds. You need to have someone who will say, yes, I know who Kate from DC is and I'm willing to vouch on their behalf. Um, and in a small industry where, you know, women are not always taken very seriously or we don't really hold a very high percentage of the people in our industry, it does have its own challenges. Um, we definitely faced a little bit of sexism and ageism through that process but Harris and I are very good at coming with our receipts <laughs> we um we welcome people underestimating us because it just makes us stronger and it makes us more prepared for next time um and then the other thing that came out of COVID was we saw the price of natural mined diamonds skyrocket astronomically to be almost unattainable through a lot of people and so at that point we took the opportunity to pivot um, re-educate ourselves in the different areas of our industry, including lab-grown diamonds, which was currently unavailable in Perth or in Western Australia. And so after some really strong education, research, questions, um, playing devil's advocate for both sides, we landed on offering both natural mine diamonds and lab-grown diamonds, and that definitely allowed us to accommodate a millennial mindset because um, millennials were starting to ask for this. And then it also just meant that we could allow our clients to achieve what they wanted with their price point um, and still give that amazing service despite naturals going um, so high up in price point at the time. And like for for anyone, if they're unaware, like ballpark, what is the difference between lab grown versus naturally mined like as a percentage, like how much, how much different is it? It's huge. It is huge. So as a bit of a guide, I mean, I should lead with on a molecular chemical optical level, they are an identical material. So it's not a case of a real diamond or a fake diamond. They're exactly the same. It's just the origin, which is different. Um, But you will achieve at least double the size for the same price point. So Uh for example, if we had a one carat natural mined diamond, 
ballpark figure you're sitting around your 13 to 15,000. Um, in a lab grown, you're sitting closer to five. And wow. it only gets a large jump as we start to move to those carat weights. A two carat um, lab grown diamond is sitting you around your eight to 10,000, depending on shape and spec. In a natural mined diamond, you're probably sitting close to your 40s as a starting place. So it's quite dramatic. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think there's definitely a place for both. So we do always stay very unbiased. There's pros and cons to both ends, and we're very transparent with our clients about that. But it was a massive pivotal place for us. And like what, uh, and just by curiosity, what think, what percentage of people now are you seeing go towards that option versus like, is there still a little bit of that, even though, you know, you, you mentioned the millennials and whatnot, is there still a bit of the nostalgia being like, but uh, what, a natural one? Or like, where does like, from your client's perspective, how do they kind of go? I think we are, I mean... During COVID, we definitely saw a surge for lab-grown diamonds becoming more um, more of a question, more of an option. Since then, we are seeing prices become a little bit more reasonable again, and as a result, we're seeing naturals push. I think from here, we'll probably see it level out fairly even um, in the way that you're always going to have someone who looks at a natural mined diamonds and goes, oh, I just love that. That's taken billions of years to form within the earth. There's a real magic to that. But then for that person who loves the the magic and the story and the the sentiment of that you're also going to have someone who sits there and goes why would i spend an extra 10k <laughs> when i can have an identical product for less than that um so i think that's what's great about dc is we really do try and accommodate for the clients that sit on both ends of the spectrum it allows us to be unbiased we can give them the information and they make the decision for themselves whereas sometimes when you go somewhere that specializes in just one option, and this could apply to any industry, you are going to get a slightly more biased answer. So, yeah, no, it makes sense. And so, obviously, there's been you know lessons along the way, and I'm sure there's been a few things that you guys have chosen which have really helped your business grow. What would be one or two things that you've seen to be instrumental in helping you guys achieve that that big growth? Absolutely. Um, I would say number one. Choose who you work with very, very carefully. Paris and I um, have been very fortunate to have a really good business relationship. We're 50-50 owners. Um, we both have some crossover in terms of our skill set and our aesthetics, which has been very helpful, but we also have different strengths and we allow each other to lean into that. Um, we do also spend a lot of time educating ourselves on each other. How do we better accommodate, support, communicate with each other. And we do that for our team too. So when we did start to hire um, our team, we started with someone who had a skill set completely separate to what Paris and I did. Um, and then from there, we actually hired someone who we call our culture queen. Um, and her job is very much, she's a showroom manager, but more importantly than that, she is there to make sure that our team are heard, appreciated, and have you know someone to reach out to when Paris and I aren't available. Um, from our past industries, we knew that sometimes we didn't feel appreciated or we didn't get um, the platform to speak on that we felt we needed. And so your business is only as good as the people that are within it. And if we keep our team happy, we keep our team um, thriving, they're going to work well for us, but also it goes both ways, right? Um, we're very much of the mindset of you train and treat your team good enough that they are, you know, educated enough to leave, but treat them good enough that they stay. Um, so that's number one: is your team choosing them very carefully, sl high, slow, fire, fast. 
Um, and then number two, number two, I would definitely say know your vision and be aware that if you have a really good idea, there's still going to be people who disagree. <laughs> um, so when Paris and I decided to go out on our own or started DC, we had a lot of people tell us that's not the way we do things. You know, you're going to ruffle feathers. You don't know what you're talking about. You barely know the industry. You're too young. You're too this. You're too that. And even people that were close to us, even family and friends who said like, are you sure this is a good idea? Um, and at those points, you can doubt yourself, but gosh, a little bit of grit, a little bit of resilience can get you a long way, right? Um, we just put our heads together and said, okay, what are the pros and cons? What is the risk that we're sitting at? And why do we believe this? We really analyzed everything, but at the end of the day, every time that we've take a, taken a bet on ourselves and um, taking that risk, it's come for a, a reward. Sometimes it's not going to work, but majority of the time when we say, this is a risk, is it a good idea? And we just throw ourselves in the deep end. It's amazing how much you can achieve when it's a case of necessity or when it's a case of, all right, you've bit this off, we've got to make sure it works now. So I think that ambition or, and a slight little bit of naivety is quite healthy when it comes to being an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And you obviously mentioned like there, when you're, you know, selling your guys' products and services to people, it is a high ticket um, yeah. sale, right? It's going to be at least, you know, I know sometimes you guys sell necklaces and things a bit cheaper, but if they're coming to for you to a ring, it's going to be probably close to that 10K mark at least, right? Yeah, our in our engagement ring starts from 4,000 and we go all the way well into our six figures. Um, and plus to that, we've worked with some pink diamonds as well, which can be... Um, quite extraordinary. So yeah, you definitely are dealing with quite a high priced item. And with that, you do expect a level of service. Um, but I guess the main thing that we teach our team is it doesn't matter how much someone is spending, um, you treat them exactly the same regardless, because it's all relative. If someone's coming in and spending 3000 on an engagement ring, that will be a lot of money to them. And um, it's relative to, you know, the same as someone who might be taking home you know, half a mil a year spending a couple of hundred grand or here or there, it could be all relative. So we just make sure we train our team and do ourselves to make sure that they feel special, they feel heard. They have that same experience regardless. And I think it does make it a lot, lot less intimidating as well for our team when you do start to sit with those bigger price points. Nice. And the how have you guys found it? Because obviously a lot of people are saying in the last couple of years, they've seen like constriction of people spending, but obviously you guys being selling high ticket and having such great growth over the last couple of years. <laughs> How do you guys feel that you've navigated that versus what other people might be seeing in the marketplace? I think this is an area that we're really fortunate in, in the way that I don't think it's impacted us all that much, I have to say. Um, I definitely think the fact that we do offer lab, that helps. Um, we do offer alternatives to your natural mine diamonds and the fact we are custom, we can work to someone's price point that they're comfortable with. Um, but... People are always going to get married. They're always going to get engaged. It was something that we talked about early on when we started, you know, conceiving the idea of DC. It was that this is a pretty foolproof industry. We've we've considered that. We sat there and went, even during COVID, people were still getting engaged. <clears throat> World locked down and people were still investing in their romantic relationships or, or you know, even to the better of they sat there and went, 
I've been spending all this money on extra stuff and really I could be reinvesting in something that's got a longer term value or, you know, is going to last me the rest of my life. And now people are a little bit more considerate about how they spend. Um, and that has landed into our field, which is really, really fortunate. Amazing. And for you guys, obviously you've had some tremendous success already, like we've we've mentioned. What's what's next on the cards? Being that you've you know you've done really well, you've grown a great team, you've got great processes. You know, you, uh, last year you guys moved into your premises, which are amazing here in Subiaco and Perth. And the team. What's next on the cards for you guys? Yeah, that was a massive deal for Paris and I was to open our showroom in Subiaco. Um, it was actually in our five-year plan that we, at year five, we would start looking at a premise wow. and we actually ended up starting that build at two years. Um, so it was definitely a fast-tracked process to what we expected. So this time around, now that we're resetting our goals, we always try and be quite ambitious. Um, the rest of the year, we are putting a huge focus on getting the foundations right within our team, um, hiring and resourcing and ups. I guess, upscaling our internal processes because that, at the end of the day, is make or break for your business. If you don't take the time to move from your small business startup mentality and systems to, okay, now you, you're a medium-sized business and your your turnover is much more extravagant and, you know, the, the reach of what your products and your internal systems have to do if you don't spend that time now it's going to crumple you later or it's going to allow for more human error at a later date so that's something that we're focusing on and then in terms of our team getting the shop to a place where it can run without us if we want to um just making sure that we don't have one of those companies where if one person goes away on holiday, the place stops working, or if someone's sick, um, you're in trouble. We want to make sure that we have people who can be really well-skilled well across the board, have their own special um, areas that they are happiest in and that they thrive in, but also allow people to have the freedom. Um, and long-term goals is we're hoping to um, investigate the UK market in the next um, 18 months to two years or so. We'll see. Um, I won't speak too much on that one, but we would definitely love to be able to open some different locations and, um, I guess, offer the services that we have here. We have some really cool international clients who have flown to Perth specifically to oh. do the process with DC, and we offer virtual consults for a lot of um, different states and different countries as well, so we know that there is a need for what we can offer. And we're keen to see how how big we can make this and how much we can do the I guess, scale and just make sure that we hold the same quality and the same um, values that we have now. Amazing. Love that. Sounds like some exciting things on the cards. Very exciting. <laughs> and now, uh, as we get towards the end of our time together, I do like to ask the same question at the end of every podcast as well, which is, is there a question which I haven't asked you yet that I should have? Great question. One of my favorite podcasters also asks this question sometimes, and it does leave me pondering. I would say one of the things that I've spent a lot of time working on individually and within my team is um, a real focus on mental health and um, how to support each other, especially after COVID. Um, it's something that I think all business owners and anyone that employs someone or anyone that manages and leads someone we will all come up against our own internal mental struggles or seeing that in our team members. Um, and whenever we're leading someone, 
I think it's really important that we take the time to look inwards on ourselves, be able to learn our own triggers, our own securities, and so we can work on them so we can lead better and so we can be more understanding and more kind. It's something that I haven't received sometimes um, at my previous employers and it's something that's becoming more and more prevalent. We're seeing a lot of loneliness, we're seeing a lot of um, mental health things come up and no, it's not a business's responsibility to keep everyone happy. It is in an individual's person's role as well. But I think there's a lot of things that we can do by looking inwards at ourselves and learning to communicate, learning how to support and learning to be more kind as a result of that. So that's something that I spend a lot of time with. It's what something we do with our team is really learning how people like to be appreciated, people how people like to receive feedback, um, whether that be positive or critical, um, and taking the time to learn that everyone's a little bit different. And that's allowed us to have a really good work culture. And it's also allowed us to have a lot more trust within our team members as well. People feel comfortable to come speak to us directly, even if it is giving, giving feedback to us as the directors. So um, that would be a really good nugget that I think when when we had that revelation, it helps change a lot of things. So if someone could learn from that, I think that would be good. Amazing. Love it. And if people want to keep in touch with what you're up to, what the Diamond Collective is up to, where's the best place for them to find you online? Absolutely. So I'm on Instagram. It's Kate Bishop is my handle. And then also diamond.collective is our business account. It is amazing. It is so beautiful aesthetically. I am not <laughs> to res- I'm not responsible for that one. We have a beautiful team that works really hard. But um, yes, keep up to date. It's all amazing. We do also have a website, diamondcollective.com.au. And guys, I apologize in advance if this is the most expensive episode you've listened to, <laughs> because you're probably going to go on there. You're probably going to buy something. Yeah. It's just, uh, just going to happen. <laughs> it's an investment for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Thank you so much for Off joining list. us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers.